0: the purpose of following the breathing using mindfulness of breathing for meditation is simply to key the attention into the present reality so the rhythm of the breath is not by any means the only way that that can be achieved there many and various meditation objects, different sensory experiences or mental images, uh, words, different forms, different objects that can be used to help bring about that attuning of attention to this present experienced reality. the practice of inner listening, focusing the attention on what is called the, the inner sound or the the sound of silence, the nada sound, this inner vibration that uh, many people, most people are able to perceive. This is also a very helpful and practical way of attuning the attention to the present reality, the field of experience as it's taking shape here and now. Now, This might be a very familiar practice to many people, others something quite new or not heard of but it's a a practice that has grown up and been used in many different spiritual traditions around the world. If we turn the attention toward the faculty of hearing, then for most people, it's possible to discern in the background, say, behind the sound of my voice, a steady, silvery continuous tone like the white noise coming from a speaker when no one's talking through a microphone it's like a high-pitched continuous subtle ringing tone if one can discern this inner vibration, this inner sound, this can be very useful indeed as a meditation object. Rather than using the, the sensations of the body to feel the rhythm of the breath, one's using the faculty of hearing, the sota vinyana, ear consciousness. Some people it's more discernible as a physical sensation, so kaiavinyana. Others it's a discerned as a oscillation, a subtle vibration of the visual field, chakovinyana, eye consciousness. But wherever it's most easily discerned is not so significant. It's continuity, it's ever-present nature. This is the main characteristic that makes it helpful, usable as a meditation object, firstly for concentration. We can focus on the inner sound, attend to that, deliberately letting go of other perceptions, And this has a, a, a tendency to help the mind be brighter. Even though it's calming, steady, not exciting or interesting as such, the more one focuses on this inner vibration, the inner sound, the more it supports the quality of alertness, mental arousal. Keenness of attention. So it's a, a great benefit that the more you focus on it, the easier it is to focus. It tends to not lead the mind towards drowsiness, dullness. Another of its aspects that's helpful is that it's not subject to personal will. With the breath, we can choose to breathe in or breathe out, to hold our breath. Adjustments to the breath can be made by intention, by personal choice. The inner sound, I can't do anything with it. You can attend to it or not, but you can't make it louder or softer or change its frequency, it doesn't respond to personal will. So, in that respect, it greatly supports the quality of receptivity and openness of heart. You can attend to it, be fully aware of it, or ignore it. But you can't make it do anything. You can't make it stop or start. You can't adjust it. But one can attend to it, just like we can't adjust the force of gravity by our own personal will or change the the way the sun shines. We can attend to it or not, but the quality is self-sustaining, ever-present. Uh, speaking in this in this way, sometimes people hear this instruction, and the experience is, "I can't hear anything, I can't feel anything. This is totally lost to me." If that's the case. No problem. Just uh, use the the rhythm of the breathing as a, a focal point. That's the point is p- to be attending to the present, not the particular object that we use for that whether we drive a Toyota or a Volvo or a Nissan, a Ford, as long as we get to Amravati, no problem. Though the inner listening can be used as a way of developing samadhi, collectedness, concentration, But it can also be very directly used as a support for the cultivation of insight, vipassana. When the attention is well grounded in the present, not drifting into the imagined future or remembered past or into fantasies, not drifting off into sleepiness, when the attention is fully grounded in the present experience, then we can use the inner sound as a backdrop rather than focusing upon it to exclude everything else. We can let it be like the the brick walls, the, the ceiling and the floor of the temple, the stone floor, the brick walls, the plastered ceiling the yoke beams. The background of of our experience of being in the temple. If we use the inner sound as a backdrop in this way, then you hear the sound of my voice and the, the nada is still there in the background. We notice the sensations of the body, the weight of the body on the cushion or the chair the nada is there in the background a thought arises a memory a mental image of someone in the family nada is still there in the background so if we develop this inner listening it creates a context for all experience It's like noticing the screen that a film is projected onto. By developing the steadiness of attention on the nada, letting it be a constant companion in the background, it helps the insight into emptiness, transparency, be more fully established. There's a sound, but it's just a sound. There's a word, but it's just a a word. There's a sensation, but it's just a sensation. The transparent, empty nature of the five khandas is more obvious, more apparent. The suchness of the five khandas, form, feeling, perception, mental formations, consciousness, becomes more apparent. If the inner listening is developed, then rather than just using it sitting still in the temple, we find that we can also apply it Doing walking meditation. Carrying out our our work tasks around the monastery. Eating a food. Having a conversation. Even as I'm speaking now, I can hear it in the background. So it can be a constant companion. So whether the body's moving or still, whether it's dark or light, whether there's excitement or boredom, here it is. The nada is always there in the background. is an ever-present reminder of the quality of suchness, of emptiness, sunyata and tatata. This moment is exactly this way. This sound is exactly this way. This ache is exactly this way. This smell, this taste, this color It's exactly like this—a pattern of experience arising, taking shape, dissolving. So the presence of the nada sound, this inner listening, it helps to sustain, support the practice of insight, seeing the transient, empty. Unsatisfactory nature of every aspect of perception, experience, and directly supports the insight into not self. A memory arises. I saw this, I did that, I went here, I had that conversation. The more that this quality of inner listening is developed, then the more easily it's noticed that I making and mind making, I remember, I think, I'm feeling. The mind more easily sees through the deceptive nature of. Ahankara, mamankara, I making and mind making. It's just the I am feeling. I remember, I do, I am walking, I am hearing, I own, this is mine. All well, those selfings, the owning self, the being self stories we keep relating about who and what we are. A woman, a man, old, young, our nationality, our age, our name. The Nada carries on in the background, shines through all of it, reveals the transparency of every identity, the feeling of owning, the feeling of being, the experience of choosing, I decide, I am going to do this, I won't do that. Every subtle shade of I making and mind-making can be let go of. And when that letting go happens, when that transparency, the empty nature of the five khandhas, the body, feelings, perceptions, mental formations, sense consciousness, when that empty nature, that transparent nature of all experience is apparent, notice the change of heart. When we talk about vipassana meditation often the attention goes to the recollections of anicca, dukkha, anatta remembering this is impermanent this is unsatisfactory this is not self this is not who and what i am but we can get so busy with the practicality of the method that we don't notice the effect that the method has produced and the heart really knows This thing is impermanent, it's not really a thing, it's more of an event, a pattern of perception fluidly transforming. Oh, it was never really a thing in the first place. Oh, notice that change of heart, even if it's just for a second, a few seconds. The mind that recognizes how could anything be owned and what is there here that could do any owning oh what is a self what is the self the me that could own this body these pieces of cloth these memories these ideas these moods how could anything genuinely Have an owner. Oh, oh. That change of heart is the actual vipassana. Seeing inwardly, when things are seen differently, that's the point of it. The mechanics of recollecting anicca, dukkha, anatta, or emptiness and suchness and so on, these are just the tools that are used to bring about that transformation of view. When the view changes, in that moment of clear knowing, clear seeing, oh, how could there be a, an owner? How could this be who and what I am? That's the insight. That's the the genuine value that comes from meditation. Change of heart. Change of perspective. That's the point of it. It's, this is the purpose of the methods. Just like in a kitchen, you have pots and pans and scrapers and knives and spoons, a larder, a fridge full of foodstuffs, the point is to be nourished. The cooking and preparing, that's the way that happens. But the point of it all is nourishment of the body. That's what it's for. So in the same way, the mechanics and the tools of materials of inside are one thing. But the nourishment of the heart, the food for the heart, is that insight, that change of vision. That's what it's all for.